Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Legendarium Podcast. Make sure you take a minute to subscribe to us on iTunes and now on Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook and check out our fantastic website at thelegendariumpodcast.com. Welcome to the Legendarium. This week, the Legendarium Brain Trust gets together to talk about sections 4 through 6 of the Well of Ascension, and we bring in a little special guest, Ryan's wife, who hates us, I think. We'll learn more about that later. Anyway, hope you enjoy it. Bonjour. Willkommen. Buenos dias. To the legendarium. Buenos, buenos dias to the legendarium. <laughs> is this the Mistborn Cabaret? We're getting into the uh, international edition now, apparently. That's right. After you talked about having the places, the foreign places now. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we have to pander to our audience. Pander. Uh, We're good well, pander. welcome back, everyone, to the legendarium. I am Craig Hanks, and you all know my glorious cohorts across from me. Uh, his first rule of podcasting. Don't talk about podcasting. It's Todd Wenty. It's correct. If you talk about podcasting, you will podcast. And on my right, there's no crying in podcasting. Ken Johnson. Oh, snap. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone is going to be deaf before we're done with the intro. (laughs) I told you. And I'm going to make him a podcast he can't refuse. (laughs) That's for Ryan Bruckman. And there goes my phone, everybody. All right. Well, sorry about that. I am free. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a pretty good moment, wasn't it? So speaking of uh, of that, we are talking about sections four through six of the Well of Ascension. Now, uh, before we go on to those, I want to bring up a quick listener note. Um, on Facebook, we got a comment. Did you guys? Do you guys uh, keep track of that, or am I the only one that does? Uh, we got a comment on Facebook, so much on Facebook um, from one of our longest, long time, longest time listeners. Uh, it, it's uh, Stephanie, that's Ryan's wife, Stephanie, who said, and I'm quoting from memory here, so pardon me if I get it a little bit wrong, but she said, never get four men in a room together to talk about love and relationships. To which I say, <laughs> hey, I have a point to talk about with these sections on love and relationships, and I'm really looking forward to doing that. So, Stephanie, who is joining us today for a moment to defend her horrible, horrible comment. Isn't um, she lovely? (laughs) Hey, that's my wife, man. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, Stephanie, tell us, what what did you mean by that? And how dare you? Also, answer that as well, if you can. That one's going to be hard. But anyway, so my whole view point with with that was you guys were talking about relationships. And then you went into her character. Her masculine character, as you so kindly called it, has nothing to do with her relationships. I see her as a 17-year-old girl who is torn between two worlds. And what 17-year-old in general doesn't understand being torn between who she can be, where she came from, and those kind of things. She thinks she doesn't know if she's Valette. She doesn't know if she's Vin. She's trying to decide. And that's where it becomes the difference between Ellen and Zane. And those relationships, it has nothing to do with the fact of whether she's masculine or how badly she can beat someone or kill someone or whatever like that. But if you're going to talk specifically about relationships and love, that's what's important. It's not whether she's masculine or Ellen's feminine or anything like that. You know, I I was thinking about it a little bit this week and and it's, um, I, I might go out on a limb and say 
No, she's not. It's not that she's written or portrayed in a more masculine way. I think um, I think Brandon Sanderson has done something really smart in portraying Vin the way that he does. Because, like you say, Stephanie, yeah, she's she's a seventeen year old girl and having to deal with all of all that that entails, plus all the all the stuff that it, being a Mistborn would entail, mm-hmm. and so. If he were to go down the path of just writing her like she's any other 17-year-old girl, you'd have another Twilight on your hands or something like that where things are are portrayed very, you know, like uh, in a very familiar way. Something we would recognize as a 21st century century Mm 17-year-old girl, right? But there's this this huge thing thrown into the mix of her being the most deadly weapon in the final empire. Uh, You know, and that's going to... So... I guess you might say that would butch things up a little bit, but but that's not really appropriate to say either, I don't think. Yeah, well, and and I think I was the one that, that first introduced the idea that she's portrayed somewhat masculine. Yeah, and, thanks and, a lot, Todd. Uh, yeah, no, so it was um, your fault. I, obviously. <laughs> um, in, in defense of what I meant by that, it was not so much that she was a masculine individual, um, but that the emphasis on the relationship was a more masculine take. Um, in In... In in masculine relationships, they masculine relationship writing tends to be about the external aspects of the choice more than the internal aspects of the choice. And it isn't until later on that Vin really starts to explore some of those more mature aspects, um, which are typically more female related. And the way that the, the whoa way that whoa those whoa, are hang on. No, that's true. I'm just kidding. No, that's true. And <laughs> that, that's it. that's what I meant by that by by the masculine aspect of her characterization without having the notes right in front of me i believe my direct uh my direct comment was i'm just glad that it was not first person whiny angsty driven crap ken you have a very direct way with words my friend (laughs) i think it's funny because it could have been if you were actually inside of her head and yeah actually sure if you were inside of her head and she's sitting here going i'm i'm in love with this guy who is completely above me in her in her mindset as she's falling for Ellen, he's a nobility, and she's a ska, and she's been raised that 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 is unheard of. But she's also pretending to be nobility and those kind of things. But so if you were inside of her head, it could have been that that whiny, angsty, oh my gosh, what's going to happen kind of ordeal. Sure. And I, I I thought that Brandon Sanderson portrayed it very well. I mean, in those. In those chapters where she was dealing with that, I thought, I thought it he did a great job, and it really came across what her problems, you know, all of her emotional conflicts were. I'm just glad we didn't have to see it in first person and, and whiny angsty. I think one of the key things that made that work so well for us uh, specifically is the fact that when they when it came to the relationship, especially with Ellen uh, and and Vin, to her at first it was part of her job as a thief, as a part of this crew. And the, the, the contrast and the, the problems, the conflict inside of her that was developed was the fact that there was a real feeling developing that wasn't there. It's not something she's used to feeling towards the other men there. And I think, I think you're right in the sense that there, we could very much easily get into an angsty. I wouldn't really say angsty. She's not overly angsty. She, but, no, she wasn't. But you could get into a conflicted, I think is the better term. She, you could definitely read the conflict in her without it being whiny and angsty. She's not, she's not going to Tashi Station. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you. But, uh, she did, but she, we do get an opportunity to see some of that, and, and there is some exploration of that in, in the, uh, the latter part of the book. But it's not overdone. 
and we don't spend so much time in it that that becomes the the central piece of the story. Um, instead, it becomes a real a, a real interesting way of dealing with how complex life is. That that is one level of this relationship. There are several other levels of this relationship that Vin has with Ellen, with the, with with Cezad, with the crew, with the Empire. All of those all of those levels are laid on top of. Oh, and I'm falling in love with this person, and this guy shows up, and now what do I do? Um, and and we did get some of that, but not a whole book of it. It's great. I think there there's a scene, and I'm sure this will be brought up, but a very utilitarian yet nice res, uh, res, resolution to their relationship. Let's talk about their marriage ceremony. <laughs> She's bleeding out should on we, the table. Uh, should we recap this whole section before <laughs> right, we go yeah, into that stuff? Or yeah. should we? Um, yeah. No, go ahead. Do do your recap. I love the recap. Go for that. Okay. And then Stephanie will beat us up again. Today's today's <laughs> recap is super abbreviated. So, are you ready? All right, sections four. Things happen. Things things happen. That's true. Sections four through six of the Well of Ascension. All right. So, what was the last thing we saw in section three? Ellen got deposed. Ellen got deposed. Thank you very much. So, uh, then the Coloss army shows up. Zane tries to tempt Vin away from the crew. She kills him awesomely. Uh, Then she marries Ellen. And then Sazed convinces them or tricks them into leaving Luthadel. There's a huge battle. Vin learns a new method of transportation, which is awesome. Um, Horseshoe. Flight by horseshoe. Woo! Oh, you know what? And I also missed in there that she freaking demolishes Lord Ket's army, oh, that which was, was amazing. Cool. Uh, okay, so anyway, fast forwarding again. There's a huge battle. Um, Vin learns her new method of transport, which enables her to get back to Luthadel to finish that battle, uh, which wasn't going too well. Then she kills everybody and declares Ellen the new emperor. Uh, they go to the Well of Ascension. Ellen gets stabbed by the mist monster. Vin takes the power. Vin releases the power and feeds him a stone, and Ellen becomes mistborn. End of book. You Hence. left out. Ellen releases the power and something else. Oh, that's true. Well, Vin, Vin released the power. I or am free. <laughs> that was that was weird. that was really icky. That was yeah. So yeah, I have to wipe off my microphone now. <laughs> we uh, now we know that uh, there is some force or creature or if you if you're a fan of Lost, there's a smoke monster loose in the land. The ruin. Um. And just as far as I know, it's just called Ruin. Yes. Which is an amazing name for a bad guy. Uh, so, yeah, now the th- things have gotten nebulous. There's no more bad guy. There's just a there's just bad, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway. By the way, at the end of the book, I thought, how, how would Straff Venture have felt to know that he spawned two Mistborns? He'd probably feel pretty cool about well, that. Well, yeah, but yeah, one of them like, wasn't his fault. Anyway, (laughs) so we can't blame the poor man. So are we going to jump back into the marriage ceremony? So, yeah, let's, I guess, yeah, we'll talk about that first. She will, after this, we'll go back to how she kills Zane, which I love. Yeah. But then, then she gets, you glossed over that way too easily. um, Then she gets married to Ellen in a simple marriage ceremony um, with Sazed officiating as she's lying bleeding on the floor. Um, He marries them in an old old time ritual um, from a long forgotten, forgotten religion yeah, as is his want I'm pretty sure it was the same religion in Joe versus the volcano <laughs> <laughs> do you want to marry him yes do you want to marry her yes you're married you're married <laughs> done <laughs> it's it's so simple so simple their marriage ceremony but it's so beautiful that that's how it all how it's all come together to me it was it was 
I can't really think of a better thing other than you know, you could have a huge frilly ceremony, but that doesn't really fit these two characters. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. No. So to have these two simply very utilitarian. Look, I love you. I've decided after denying your marriage proposals all the way up to here, I want to be with you. You know what? I've just this be- beautiful moment of clarity that's come after I've killed someone. All my answers have come. Someone. I've got to take. It, you I've know, got to it is remarkably now. head clearing. Yes, especially if you've shot them. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to answer any questions. <laughs> anyway, better. Yeah, better. You, than... you missed. I think you missed my joke. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm pretty sure I got that joke. <laughs> uh, we really need like a badumps thing to yeah, just so the crack jokes can hit there. They're bad. Um, I want to hit. I want to talk about one thing. It's it's a little phrase in here, and I think it's beautiful. That Sazed says that really when I read it again, uh, when I read it over again today, it just it hit me, and I had to stop for a minute and think about it. And he turns to me, he's talking about it. I mean, everything's gone by so quickly. The marriage ceremony was very short, sweet. Everything's there, but he says uh, he says the following. Um, let's see. Uh, I simply offer counsel. Those who take lightly promises they make to those they love are people who find little lasting satisfaction in life. Here, here. I yeah, highlighted that I same phrase, that, yes. that same passage. I was like, Brandon Sanderson, life so wait, lesson. Say it again, say it again. Read the sentence again. It says, I offer counsel. Those who take lightly promises they make to those they love are people who find little lasting satisfaction in life. And that's exactly the point that I was really poorly trying to make last week. I don't know how well it came across. But that that point of when you you decide that you love somebody and you're going to stick with them, that's your choice and stick with it. You know, don't, like he says, don't take that promise lightly. Yeah. If you do take it lightly, you you have trivialized the most important things in your life and therefore nothing else can even compare in terms of value. If, yeah, if the important becomes trivial, then the trivial becomes worthless. Yes. You get caught up in the thick of thin things, as I like to call it. Nice. Ooh, I'm stealing that. Um, wow. Yeah, it's too bad we can't drop these mics, right, right? Gosh, welcome to the philosophium. Um, and how how happy are we then that she chose Ellen? Because um, Zane was a freak of nature. Uh, and um, there was one moment in particular. Actually, I've, I've got it. It's on, um, what was it, like page four? In my book, it's page 445. Um, Zane is trying. It's their, it's their kind of final battle, Vin mm-hmm. versus Zane. And he's trying desperately to convince her to come with him. Um, and she refuses, and he says, uh, let's see if I can find it. Um, um, no, I can't find it. Uh, he says, you can save me. Like, he's trying to convince her. And he does this a few times through the book. You were supposed he says, to you, save me. Yeah, yeah you're you, supposed to yeah. save me. You can save me. He feels this despair, and, like, it, 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 this is classic bad boy. Right. Yep. Except it's a little more spelled out than maybe we see it in real life. I think um, Zane is the most angsty character in the books. Right. So oh my far. gosh. So You're not kidding. Uh, yeah. So I. Speaking of angsty romance novels. As I was thinking of bringing this up, I was like, "Well, Stephanie might get mad at me. I'm kind of forbidden from doing this." But, but this is. I mean, it, it really jumped out and grabbed me because if if somebody in your life, you know, says. I, I just need to be fixed, and I really think you're the you're the person to do it. Run the other direction, he, please. Do yourself a favor. He was very. I mean, he was textbook bipolar, abusive boyfriend, <laughs> crazy guy. He really was. It's like you were supposed to save me. I will make you save me. 
You know, you told me no, no, you don't tell me no. It, it absolutely was. I just feel like abusive boyfriend. Well, you know, whether I, it's one on one, I find his. Remember his reasoning for the whole reason why he knew she was the one that was supposed to save him. You're the only one that God never told me to kill. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there's something you should be aware of there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he didn't ever. He didn't ever tell her that, did he? Yes, yeah, he did. Did he say yeah, it he out did. loud? Yeah, he, he says, says it, it out he, loud. Oh, okay. It says it right realize. at the end. Yeah, right there. And and the beautiful thing is that right at the end, as he's dying, uh, when God's talking to him again, you know the really funny thing, Zane. You were never. You were really never. You were crazy. never crazy. Yeah, it's just. You were never. Oh, in you really have to realize your stuff. your relationship. You know, if you're basing your relationship on simply the fact that you're the only, this is the only person in the world who you have not been told to kill by this voice in your head. It's probably a safe bet that there's something else going on. Isn't is so the voice in Zane's head? Isn't this a wonderful thing that Brandon Sanderson's done, where he's not going to spell this out for you and tell you, make you connect all the dots? You get to connect them for yourself. Where you have Sazed on one hand, who is kind of um, he's like Johnny Appleseed, just like throwing religions around, like you know, hoping they take root and and grow. Um, but he doesn't really believe in any of them, and that despair really kind of takes hold at the end of the book versus this this thing going on with Zane where you have a character named God <laughs> right. talking to him for real, you know, and, and and telling him, hey, you're not crazy. I, you know, I'm real. I'm actually talking to you. And this, as far as we know, this is God. And so says it is, uh, you know, he, he's flinging about all these religions that he knows aren't aren't technically true. You know, he's using that kind of relativist argument. Oh, it's, maybe it's true for you. Meanwhile, we have something going on that that makes that that would make something true in a religious context. There's a, and there's a real interesting um, as as the book ends. Um, I I think we we see a real polarization of all of the crew members around where they see themselves. Um, you know, we get we get that glimpse of breeze um, shattered. Oh, just completely shattered. Um, we get a view of Ham recognizing that he is okay with taking responsibility for all of these kinds of things. But we get Sezed, and we finally see that all of this, all all of all of the things that Sezed has said never meant anything. This is all really a very elaborate cover for him. And the thing that he cared about most is now gone, and he has no anchor with which to deal with the loss. And what an what an interesting place that puts him at the end of the book. And I've I've already started reading the next one, and so I'm I'm seeing some glimpses of what that does. Yeah, this it's a great um, wait for book three moment where it's oh. not it's not the same thing as we've been joking about in the last couple of casts. It's not like a fun little plot twist or something. It's more like a theme alert that Ryan yeah. and I used to do in the Lord of the Rings, where this is something you're going to want to watch for. The quote that I pulled out was um, when Sazed said, "If if or I think he's." thinking it if so many people believed so many different things how could any one of them or even anything at all actually be true yeah uh, so that's a great theme to watch for and his I, and he's going to deal with it his yeah. his crisis of faith was that was one of the things that that really got me and how, at the end and uh, not not just because i mean his his moral relativism and everything i mean he's he's a good guy he just has no he he's one of those where well there are good there's good in everything you know but he has no real but he anchor. has no real compass 
other than you know just be good you know he's a free spirit and and to see how he deals with this that's one of the things i am very most looking forward to in this next book because over the last two books i've really become fond of cz yeah says that is he he quickly becomes someone you really care about and yet it hurts you to see something that is so important to him his you know uh, tinwell when she first shows up she says that all the terracemen we learn this entire library of stuff but everyone has a specialty and when your specialty is ripped from you the way it is from Sezed, it really you go in all of a sudden inside you're like you're kind of going well what is it you know what for me if it was ripped away would be like this because you you hurt to see him not have what he had have that that love and to be just this doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And you know, I find it interesting too. You know, in the in the midst of in the midst of Vin and Elend having a uh, having their their love finally um, recognized and and requited, so that it, they they have they have a chance to have wholeness together. Um, Sezed and Tendwil are destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, with with the loss that is suffered at the during the during the battle, um, I f- I find it very uh, an interesting juxtaposition of these two characters that we've cared about, Vin and Cezad, and it looking all the way through like maybe they both will get to have a measure of happiness in the midst of all the pain. Nope, no, 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 not at the not at this point. Um, we ended up taking a very interesting detour from the, you know, this beautiful <laughs> fight scene with Zane into this great relationship with Sezed. But you want to go um, back to the fight scene. I want to go back to the I fight I want to go back scene to the fight scene, too. For go. two for two reasons. One, let's talk about the... Uh, the how, to, how to beat ATM. How to beat ATM. Oh, man. And Which the other thing awesome. is probably what I believe to be actually the larger piece of that scene, the revelation of the Chondra. <gasps> Yes. Oh, and, and man. then the Colossus and the later. cousins. Yeah. It's no, mm-hmm. so. Let me ask you this, guys. Uh, straight up, how shocking was uh, the the Condra revelation? Did you see it coming? I did not. Because uh, uh, either either the Condra re- revelation, the I one was, about who the spy was. Yeah. I was like, oh, I did not see that coming. Yeah. And, and then, then how to control them? And then how to control them? Yes. Uh, so yeah, I was as I was reading through it this time. You know, because I've read it a time or two before, I'm like, oh, it's so obvious. <laughs> it's so obvious. <laughs> it's but, obvious, but I know the you know, It's probably not. Yeah, it's probably not. This is this is one of those moments where um, where Brandon Sanderson, if he had decided to put himself, if he had decided to write rather than fantasy, he decided to write uh, a murder mystery, he would be mm-hmm. inducted very rapidly into the Mystery Writers Guild because he gave all of the clues. They were they were there to be seen. They were there to be observed, and. It still came out of left field. That was that was what I exactly what I thought is like. How did I not see that coming? Yeah. And was that's my... the best thing about his writing because if you follow like as, especially as you get into book three, you will look back and go, "Oh my gosh, that was there. I get it now." And yeah. as you, and now that I've gone back and I've been rereading, I can follow these. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember that. I'm looking a... forward to that moment now instead of this. Oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't catch that." Yeah. So as an excellent point of comparison, I would point to Harry Potter. Oh. Where you know by the seventh book you you realize there's all this crap that you thought was just pure filler back in the first few books and you're like oh no that was actually quite it was relevant. really really very relevant <laughs> stuff and anyway yeah same well, thing here uh, one of the things about that whole sequence I mean aside it, there's this great reveal we're like oh my gosh you know it does it comes completely out of left field the whole time you're like you, I I don't know many people who would have picked that up beforehand um, but it it's the fruition of a relationship that they've built together because. If you you know you put her in that situation when she first is with Orisur or Tensoon as we now know who he's actually 
you know, there's no way he's going to help her. No. There's no way. And Zane, Zane wins that battle. Yeah. And how cool is it that this is the person, Vin, we're talking about Vin here, is the person who has the hardest time being a friend, trusting, you know, uh, believing the best of people. She has a really hard time with that. And, and it's that uh, that quality that she has developed allows her to turn Tensoon uh, to her instead of, you know, uh, to fulfill his contract. Yes. Brandon Sanderson does a wonderful job. I mean, uh, you know, and, and, and all of us have, have developed a, a tremendous appreciation for his writing style and for his, his expertise. But he does a wonderful job of dealing with this issue of trust. That trust has power. And Alamancy may have power. Farukami may have power. But trust has power. And he, he lays it out very nicely. And it's, and, and I would contend, um, you know, heaven forbid we get all moralistic on everything, but, but I think that that's where, you know, if, if there are lessons that, that we take from these, from, from the reading that we do, and we try to find ways to apply it to our lives, I think that's a real lesson to pull is that trust really has power and right or wrong, you know, good or bad, the outcomes that we have to, that, that we have to endure in life, if we are going to have um, successful relationships, they're going to have to be based on trust. Well, and that was the that was the the final breaking point for Zane and Vin. Was I mean, she was actually considering. He's like, come she with was me, go, but let's go th- north. And he's thinking about it. He's thinking about, it, and then just one little inconsequential thing that he does, and she goes, "I'm staying here." And why? She flin- he because, flinches. Yep, because Ellen, Ellen trusts will never me. flinch. Ellen trusts me. That's what she says. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everything goes ape crazy. And, you know, you got this wicked awesome fight scene and, you know. And this was a different, um, we, we see three magnificent uh, Alamancer fight scenes in, in books four, five, and six. Um, we see the fight scene where uh, Vin and Zane go in and take out Kat's army. Uh, or Which at least the majority wicked. of the army that's oh there. Oh my gosh, he decimates that so much. You know, such a such a a, a visual or, or and uh, you know so much so much so much beautiful imagery. The way he paints a picture. Oh my, goodness. does a wonderful job. Then we have the fight between Vin and Zane. Again, a totally different deal because now it's Alamancer against Alamancer, and it's it's not equal. It's not fair on either side because there's subtleties and the way that they approach the process really really fun images and did then anybody else get in. an inception vibe when they're up on the ceiling yes <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, or a or a matrix vibe yeah. um from some of those kinds of moments and then you get the moment where she comes back and she starts taking out the coloss um and she arrives and and gets involved in that i mean again you've got another huge alamancer battle that is that is written so well but so different in the way that she uses these powers the same powers used totally differently depending on the kinds of obstacles mm-hmm. that she's coming into this is totally off topic totally side thing I'm here very it's excited. driving it's been driving both my wife and i crazy here this is not my the lord of the rings yeah. it is not ket it's set, it's set. thank oh, you is it really it is Listen set if you listen to the books, they pronounce it set. That's I'm how, sorry. That's how I, yeah, that's how <laughs> I, I pronounce it. I knew as soon as Craig head. said Ket, I'm like, that's Lord of the Rings coming out in him. I remember it's, all this. Okay, now this is and something that's been, this has been bothering myself. me for a while, okay? Uh, for uh, eight years or so, maybe more, ten years. Is anybody else in this room pissed off at the letter C? 
Like <laughs> nothing, nothing in this life. It's like you know, if this were Sesame Street, it would never C be brought to you by cookie, the letter C. That's good enough for because me because it's it is the most worthless letter in our alphabet, and it's so confusing. And okay, so this brings up another one of my points. Thank you for for uh, segueing, Ryan. I appreciate this. We um, really need like a screeching break sound this is, for when we go yeah, right, right off. So as you say, Ryan, this is not the Lord of the Rings. And I understand that. And not everybody has the linguistic talent that Professor Tolkien does. I get that. But, 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 but. Did he I've call him say, Professor Tolkien? Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. dude created a language. Um, but, okay. Let me make my point. You guys are freaking jerks. Um, <laughs> Todd, do we need to give you a second here? Uh, all right. I want to make my point. My point is that Brandon Sanderson, I think he lacks a full talent in naming. He's so good at so many things in his storytelling. Naming is not one of them, especially especially when you're using the English English language. You have to be very, very careful because you have things like set, apparently, or Sazed, or Elland. You look at them. How do you pronounce them? They could be pronounced any number of different ways in English, you know. Breeze. And it's, well, breeze is pretty easy, <laughs> but in in French, it's actually it's Ham. actually <laughs> it's actually um, translated as breeze, which means break, oh. which I thought was weird. Anyway, uh, or yeah, anyway. So I just feel like he doesn't he doesn't quite have the talent for easy naming. Like I wait 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 wait. It Hold takes on. Me, before it takes before me we out. get too far into this, I hate clubs you so much. I hate you you're so going. Much. You're saying that Brandon Sanderson lacks the challenge of naming people. When again, we were dealing with Professor Tolkien and Mount Doom, <laughs> <laughs> or Fatty Bulger. Fatty Bulger. <laughs> you remember these from the previous podcast? Tom Bombadil. Again, if uh, I could drop this mic, I would drop. <laughs> Oh man! I uh, look. All I'm saying is that, like, Elland is it Elland or is it Eland or is it Elend? I know. I, I mean, I know what it is now. But, but like my wife, she still pronounces it Sazed, no matter how many times I correct her, I, which I think I've only done once because I don't dare do it more. You than You know that. what? And I don't care because I'm going to keep pronouncing it Sazed because I like it better. And there you go. In general, I mean, yeah. Most authors, I think, will be just. You know what? If that's what helps you get through the story, you know, mispronounce the name. It's fine. Well, in I'm, Wheel of Time. I know there's at least six or seven characters that I do not pronounce their name correctly because I refuse to. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this in defense of Brandon Sanderson. Is I, I knew early that it was Sazed because the nickname for him was Saz. That was his nickname. So, I mean, you, you infer right. that, okay, that's Saz short for Sazed. I don't care. I like Sazed. I think it sounds neater. So eh. It's okay. I think I'm going to call you Keen from here on out. <laughs> Everybody does. <laughs> Not or, everybody. Or everybody does that one too. <laughs> um, and, and I don't care what you say. Credit Shaw, coolest name for that's, a little. Okay, that's a pretty cool name, Credit Shaw. Or is it Credit Shaw? Hmm. I don't know. At least he uses K's in that one. Thank you very much. The rest of our podcast is just going to be guessing whether or not we're saying the names of things right. <laughs> oh, and, and by the way, Smaug. Oh, that's a serious. Oh, it's Smog. This is not Lord of the Rings. It's smog. anyway. So as long as we're talking about potential complaints, this is not a complaint of mine necessarily. Uh, but it is something that I want to ask you guys if you got frustrated with. Um, if we go to, in my book, which is the official one because it's in my hands, it's on page 443, start of chapter 47. Yeah, that's right, Todd. Um, okay, Vin is thinking to herself. She says, uh, she says, 
Okay, so this is pretty far in the book. What, three quarters of the way through? She says, There were so many things that demanded her attention, and she tried to give heed to them uh, to, to them all. As a result, she had accomplished nothing. And as I read that sentence, I went, Oh, hang on a second. Is this a little bit of writer's voice coming through? Does he feel like he hasn't gotten anywhere in 400 pages? Because this is a slow-moving story. That doesn't mean it's not interesting, and that doesn't mean that at places it's not exciting. But did you guys feel like the first part of this book was too long? No. No? No. I find that very interesting, Ken, with the whole discussion last week about yeah. it being boring there. I, I don't think it, it was too long, and I, I don't I, think it's the author's voice coming through saying, I haven't done anything. I don't I, think it's too long either, just for the record. I thought, but I do think that we're at a point where he's where it's saying, there. We, basically, she is about to go to the well of ascension. She, like That's where this is leading. And so in order for her to get to the point where she has to turn to such an, an incredible power outside of the allomancy she already has, she, we need to start seeing that she is overwhelmed by what is there. Here, here's my defense for last week and why, why my answer reconciles with last week is reading one through three, part three was long and it was dry and it was talk and talk and talk. But getting through four through six was exciting and it made it it gave a clarity to parts one through three and it made those kind of understandable and exciting and i came to the realization that this is a spy thriller masquerading as a fantasy novel what worries me about it uh, because i agree with you guys i think it's fantastic and i like just about everything that's in the book but what worries me is the people who maybe this isn't quite their normal literary cup of tea and they're coming to it and, and they're halfway through book two and they're going oh geez i'm bored you know and not realizing that oh if you just if you just let it all come together it's worth it i think that i I think the thing for me that made it work um and and made me comfortable with the effort that it took to get through it um one part is that i i am interested in in the political maneuvering i am interested in the in the political machine um, not just the political machine that Brandon Sanderson has created, but the but what the political machine can can mean and can do and can accomplish. But the other thing is that I accepted the fact that this was a trilogy, that there are three books, and that um, there is material that is going to be presented in these in, in these pieces that needs to be there as foundation pieces for the entire piece to make sense. Um, I think if I had approached this from a standpoint of not recognizing it was a trilogy or had approached it from a standpoint of saying, I'm not going to dedicate myself to absolutely get through all three books, then yeah, I could get very frustrated with learning a new political set of values, set of players. Um, but I have to admit, I loved, I loved the way that he ran that political process. It was fun. But still, if you... If you are listening to this podcast before reading these books, then A, spoiler alert, and two, just skip part three. You won't miss it. Really? Just saying. Ooh, uh, no, I would I disagree. Like, I like yeah. I th- I'm thinking you're yeah. fired. So that's what I'm thinking. He's a sports guy. Just give me level one action, baby. Um, Ken, think of, think of um, section three as a discussion with the NCAA regarding a playoff formation. The formation of a playoff series. That would be so boring. And everybody knows that a playoff is necessary. It's okay. Just skip the second quarter of a football game. It doesn't need to be needed. That's true. Ooh, nicely done. That, that's actually... I'd skip the whole football game personally. But. <laughs> that, that's actually closer to true than you might think. You however, get online and find the score. That's all that matters, right? However, all of the defining action in the last two uh, Steelers games was in the second quarters. 
if scoring is all that matters to you, I can direct you to different types of authors. Like, well, never mind. Moving back towards Zane and Vin. <laughs> I'll tell you the thing that the thing that I was the most um, that that was the, one of the most shocking surprises for me was the spike in Zane's <gasps> chest. Yes, thank you. I I, I read that and I I looked at my wife and I said. And she says, I can't talk to you. I have promised Craig and Ryan that I will not talk to you about these books. She did make some solemn vows. And we've talked about how, you know, you must hold to those promises. So she's she in fact, I've started reading. I've started like I I mentioned, I've started reading the third book. And she's like, will you please read faster? (laughs) (laughs) Did you tell her uh, just so that all of our listeners are aware and so that your wife is aware? We have forbidden Todd and Ken from reading the last, what, 50 pages, 50 pages. Pages. Until the day that we, um, and, yeah, until the day we record. So we're all going to come to Ryan's house and take a vow of silence for about an hour while you guys finish. Yep. We'll take that take that hour, finish the last fifty pages, and then we'll get on the mic. As soon as we hear, oh, what <laughs> crap? We'll be like, go in the other room, <laughs> go in the other room. There's a there's a, a an old an old um, movie by that starred. Uh, what's his bucket? Top Gun, not not Tom Cruise, but the other Anthony guy. Edwards? No. Tom Skerritt. Um, Michael Ironside? Iceman. Iceman. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Uh, called Real Genius, and there's a scene where they're all sitting around in a room studying, all you had to and say all was of a sudden, genius. one of them turns around and just starts screaming at the top of his lungs, ah, 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 and he runs down the street screaming. That's what I have in my mind of what we're going to wind up looking like that night. <laughs> that was a really long way to explain that. Yes, but now everybody wants to go see Real Genius. Thank I you, Val so. Kilmer. You owe me money. Let <laughs> us know if that works. Yeah, right. Um, anybody else have points they want to bring up? Was, Stephanie um, does. A moment in the book that I thought was fantastic, and I really do. It's just a moment. Well, it is about, a fantasy novel, so it is about only three sentences, and it's when she kills Straff. <gasps> yeah, it is just. It is straight to the point. There is no sugarcoating it. There's no big epic. Who knows what's going to happen? It's not a chapter. It's not a paragraph. It's sentences about killing Straff, and then she's done. And, and I, it's and it's the same. Um, it's that fear that he has of the ultimate Mistborn warrior where he's been living with that ever since her Duralumin uh, fueled she threatened um, him and... soothing. Yeah. And then, and now she uses a Duralumin fueled push to get her all the way to him in an instant. And he has no idea what's happening. And then suddenly he's cut. And in half. all of a sudden, awesome. I like the fact that not only is he cut in half, but his horse is cut in half too. <laughs> well, it was a Kolos blade. Oh, oh man! Gosh, that yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Stephanie. But it's just that the moment awesome. that it's just so short. He didn't. It wasn't yeah. an entire chapter dedicated to her killing strap. Kind of like when she attacked um, Set's um, keep. There That's was so much to it. But. <laughs> when she attacked Straff, she made the there was a promise that if you do this, you will end up dead. Promise was taken care of, he's gone, and then she moved on and finished off his generals and Oh man. And Bob's your uncle and uh, now <laughs> Ellen's emperor. Boy, that reminds me of the way that Ellen takes care of Justice Lakel too. Oh yeah. That oh, was okay. Um, do we wanna now this is a talk a about ninety degree turn, but do we want to talk about this? Oh, talk about a kid becoming decisive. I mean um, the way decisive and quite and violent. It, necessary violent, yeah, though. Yeah. Hey, oh, well. He wraps his violence in the idea of... Justice. Of, of the necessity of justice, and that he is the embodiment of justice. Now, between you and me, this sounds very 
Lord Ruler-ish. Mm, there we go. And but he's taking cues. As we learn from this book, he's he's learning that, well, you know, maybe the Lord Ruler was doing a few things right. Because because at the end of the day, it's like with Mussolini, all the trains ran on time, right? The this, this Ska were clothed and fed for the most part, even if they were downtrodden and quite unhappy with their lot in life. They survived yes. because of his rule. Be- because of what he did. Right. And and it's very interesting that um that dealing with the, that dealing with that kind of a change, um, Elend is starting to realize that um, you cannot you, you cannot and it's something um, and I apologize to those of our listeners who uh, hate all things political. So turn off your headphones for thirty seconds. Trigger um, warning! Trigger warning! <laughs> the, um, it is difficult to give a people democracy and freedom if they do not take it themselves. And I think, as we've learned over the last. Ten years. I I, th- I think that that's something. Uh, yeah, some of us have been around a little bit longer and watched yeah. this in a couple of other theaters too. Um, and I think that we see that. Uh, I think we see Brandon Sanderson making that very plain and, and making it very clear. When they say, "So Ellen's going to be an emperor. You're going to be ruled by a tyrant." Yes, until you are ready. I I will disagree respectfully a little bit disagree in that it, it didn't feel very lord rulerish to me it felt very very rulerish to me that was the moment he became I'll the king I'll take that I'll take that in my opinion because I mean and this I've read the first 15 pages of the Game of Thrones series that's all I've read but in that I uh, Ned Stark has one of the best lines when he executes one of the Night's Watch guys Asking his son, do you understand why I swung, why, why I kill, had to kill him? Because it, it's the person who gives the orders has to bear the responsibility mm-hmm. of carrying it out. And I thought that was very much the same way here is that, okay, I am the I am the king and now the emperor. I am the king. I have to made out this justice. And he does, and it's decisive, Which, and it's swift, and it is. But it's this just. is this is before he's even the emperor. He's not the emperor. Yeah, yet. he's no. not even the king. He's been be- he's been he's still under the awareness that he's been deposed. But he's st- even when he was deposed, though he was acting very much mm-hmm. as if I will be the king again, and and that kind of shows through right there. Yeah, and and I like he said that he attacked my city. Yeah, it wasn't personal; it was business. Yeah. So did I anybody that was, else? Yeah. Uh, did anybody else think of the old line? Uh, Dress for the job you want, not the job you got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tindwell does it. Tindwell is a as a wonderful character inserted into this process that was needed to have some kind of a reason for turning Elend into the emperor that he becomes. Well, and and she's a great force for the readers as well. You know, it, it, this is a book that has a lot to say, just like I would say, Ender's Game does a lot to say about. Uh, what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a follower, mm-hmm. um, and and that's where Tindwill comes in. Ryan, I can see you chomping at the bit. Well, I I, I really think Tindwill is she is a, very much like a hurricane. She comes in, causes major change. She's a force of nature that comes in, and then she's gone. Uh, do that, and it really it leaves a path of devastation for Sezed and everything else. Um, but I, there's been a couple other character. There's I know we're going to talk about the Lord, the women of Lord of the Rings in a coming week here. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a couple, there's another character in here we've kind of skimmed over. Alrian. <laughs> Alrian. Oh, yeah. Who, I really think that she is a little bit, there's a little bit more to her than we realize. There's a little bit more to more that story. The she really did look kind of vapid and, and 
just can, not, can not much honest? of substance I've, I've to already her. read this book a couple times. I'd completely forgotten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I she, had no idea. She didn't look like there was much of anything to her, and then all of a sudden... You, you realize know. what a force she actually yeah. is. To be the woman who takes a character like Breeze and wraps him around her finger, that says something about that character. And every, so far, just about every woman character we've come across in this has had some sort of uh, world-changing role. They've been relevant. They've been very relevant. Yeah. They, they haven't been token characters at all. Aren't we always relevant? Absolutely. Except in literature. Only if you talk into the microphone. My fault is in your face. Um, anybody else have something they want to bring up? About Ariane or about anything about in general? Anything. I was on Team Zane until the moment that he uh, went crazy. Oh, I was. I was totally on. I put that in Twilight. You're a for you. I was totally on Team Zane right up until the moment where she said, I can't go with you because of the trust thing. And then all of a sudden I went, I get that. And then he went nuts and tried to, you know, kill her and creepy kiss her while he's about to kill her. Boy, yeah. I, Ick. I So I, I really thought, and, and this, was, this was me not seeing where it was going. I thought that he was not as bad as he appeared. I thought I thought there was something to him, but really? but well, but then there were a lot of things that that clearly he wasn't. I mean, he was very. I mean, there was a lot of deception and manipulation in the assassination attempt, kill him, and all this other stuff. I thought there was something more to that too. I mean, I I did. I thought there was you know, there was there was, but I thought, and through all of that, I thought there was going to be something in there that redeems him, and he is not as bad as he seems. And, and it probably is just me wanting to like the man of action, you know, mm-hmm. because I've secretly always wanted to be the man of action, even though I'm the man of myth. But so, you know, right up until that point, I, I was firmly behind him. I was like, oh, she's picking the wrong guy. She needs to go with him. Yes, go with him until, you know, all heck breaks loose. And so heck, where are you from, Ken? <laughs> Rose <want> Park. <laughs> okay. Hey, I am from Rose Park. We've had like 40 minutes of discussion so far in the Well of Ascension, and we have not even touched the uh, Well of Ascension oh itself. Oh, my gosh. And that's, okay. what, that's what I wanted to talk about. Oh, um, right. We've Go got to get to it. I, uh, the, this, um, and, and, and maybe it backs up a little bit or maybe it jumps forward, but it's the, it's the part in the book that, that kind of pulls everything together for me when Cezette goes back and looks at the steel plate again and says, I write this in steel because anything else, I, I can't remember the exact quote because anything, anything else, not, not set in steel, cannot be, metal. Yeah. It cannot be trusted. Cannot be, cannot be trusted. And, and there's I, the trust thing again. And I, and I went, Oh, how did I miss that? It's the first line of the book. Because when, when, when then, then when you look and you see the mist wraith and the, the history of the mist wraith that it almost killed, uh, that it, that it that it attacked one of Alendi's friends and all of these different kinds of things, and and then you get this piece that says, oh yeah, but all of those things could have been manipulated, changed, adjusted to make it something different. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, well, of course he attacked Alendi's friend because it was trying to find a way to get Alendi to use the power to do this rather than free. Um, and isn't it great now that we know that things can be changed around by ruin? Uh, he can manipulate these writings. He leaves that in there because of the fear that it causes toward that missed spirit. Yes, and, you know that's one thing he's not going to change. He's and 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 the you know the the 
When and and when Vin steps into the well of ascension, I I, I mean, I, my first thought was, oh, that's where all the ATM's gone. It's gone to fill the well of ascension. That it's become that he that he's found a way to that the Lord Ruler had found a way to make it liquid. Um, it was going into the well of ascension. It's been waiting there for the time to be used. And of course, I guess we get the indication that that may not be the case. Um, but when she steps into the well and. <laughs> He's looking at me with the wait until book three look. <laughs> um, but but he, he when when Vince steps into this well and you start getting this this overwhelming power suffusing through every bit of her body and then she's like and I must let it go. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to go badly, and it does. Th- four sentences later, yeah, goes very very badly. Ryan, do it again. All do it again. Of- I am free. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it's so creepy and so close to Halloween. Yeah, that's true. It reminded me of Anchorman. Uh... <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because when he jumps into the bear pit and he says, "Oh, I immediately regret this decision." <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You're... Ken, you're back on the team. Yeah, right. Thank you. Well, at least there were no glass cages of emotion. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay I think we all need to take a moment to remember how funny that movie was and how worthless its sequel was oh that was anyway, the worst sequel um, oh crap oh well I had something to say somebody else say words now um Alamancy um well I do want to say um I am vindicated now saying that the that the mists were the deepness um, and I was smart. Um, either that or, oh, he's looking at me with that look again. Um, okay, so maybe we don't know. Whether, uh, no, blah, let's blah, say, blah, 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 like blah. we said last time, that's the beauty of these, these books. You, you're probably right, but you're also probably wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that the, the mists and the ash mounts were connected. Okay, I was totally wrong on that, but I was also right because they are connected <laughs> in a way. You're probably wrong, but you're probably right. Yeah, it's just kind of funny, but, but, to to see that that um so many of these things now and and it just stops um but we give Eland a gift at the very end to make him an equal to Vin um we give him alamancy we we heal his life we give him alamancy and we make him equal to Vin or make him superior in some ways um <laughs> All right, I need to know what's happening. <laughs> and Ryan is over here just dying. I and want it's to just, talk about this. It's just really, happening. really cool. Yeah, this is... So, we haven't talked about whether we're going to split up book three into two. Uh, Ryan's saying, of course we are. I'm just thinking, oh gosh, I am dying <laughs> to get to the end of book three with you guys. That's all I'm thinking. But, I'm yeah, it's amazing. Let's... let's uh... <sighs> The beauty of the, there's so many moments in this that you, you could just geek out for a long time, but not necessarily have long conversations about. And I want to talk about one for a minute here. Yay! Not a long conversation, but just a geek out moment. Um, hi, Marsh. Yes, thank you. Oh, that's my exactly what I was saying. My favorite character came back, and wow, Marsh. Oh, and then Sazed all of a sudden with the rings embedded in his skin, oh, and all of a sudden amazing. he felt like an Alamancer, and he's getting a chance to feel what it's like to be well, what the Lord Ruler felt like, and it's like. Ah, uh, this is fantastic. I, I cannot wait to see who's pulling the Inquisitor's strings. I mean, it's oh, like, I, well, uh, yeah. Marsh is just like, I'm sorry, you know, I've got to kill you. It's like, why? I don't know. I just do. So, okay, we've got, we've got Marsh versus Sazed. We've got Vin versus 
Um, Zane. Zane. Yeah, you got Vin and Zane versus Lord Set's men. Um, favorite fight scene from Well of Ascension? Anybody? Mine would be at Lord Set's tower. I, th- I thought that I was think awesome. Mine, that I think mine would be too, even though I... The, the, You've also got Sazed at the gate. Holding the gate was a fantastic one. Oh, that one. was a great moment too. You know, I, I, I'm not sure I could pick one. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I, but I, but I will say that um, I am now convinced that this movie would be a very hard R. Oh yeah, if you it did it, if you be. did it as written. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it doesn't was, have to be. I no. Up up through the up through the first one, I was kind of going. Well, you could probably the the the, the first the first book kind of felt like it could be a PG thirteen. Um, but this one, if you're going to, if you're going to portray all of the stuff that's going on, you've got to, you've got to be very creative with the camera even work just, or it's going to be Even if you, R. if you just portray uh, a walking, um, Coloss, the way that it's portrayed in the book, yeah, that, gonna, that'll probably push you into an R. R. I, I so totally disgusting. have this cinematic, beautiful scene of, and I have to say that it's really short, but probably my favorite fight in quotes sequence there is when she gets rid of straff that that moment is probably just because of its beauty and simplicity but i just have this visual of the the cinematic of this little dot in the sky that's coming down and then all of a sudden there's just this bam you know thud to the earth and she's and uh, you see her stand up and you're behind her the camera's behind her and you watch this horse just fall on either side of her and then it cuts over and you see her with this giant sword stuck in the ground just kind of looking around very final fantasy oh yeah oh yeah i'll give you <laughs> and, that and i and i think one of the one of the neatest visuals was dachshund's final moments oh yeah that's uh, very nice with you know as he's sitting there and he's wondering what's going on and then the explosion of the of the stained glass windows mm-hmm. behind him it's like wow that would be a cool yeah. that would be a neat cinematic moment too all you really need to keep it from being an r is just mitigate the blood you don't need that much blood anyway well uh, need i don't know <laughs> need want what <laughs> Where, this is a podcast about fantasy books ken yeah a- and so. and every every fantasy every fantasy series every fantasy book that series that i've that i've ever read always has these these bat these keep battles these siege battles, um, I'd put this one on a par with any other any other siege battle I've ever read. Oh, it's, I'll tell you one thing that that he does very well. I, I I mentioned maybe the first part of the book is too long. I, again, I don't really think so, but many might. One thing that it does accomplish is by the time you finally get to that battle, it the city is tense as a bowstring. The armies are, and the reader is. You're just yeah. you've you've been building toward this from page one. Yep. You know the armies show up page well ish page one. You know and from that moment the tension builds and builds and builds and builds until you cannot take it anymore and then finally the battle happens. And and I like the I, I like the way that because because the reader off I am you know I mean I guess we all as as readers identify with different characters at different times and and. Um, Brandon Sanderson does a wonderful job of giving us insights into each character, giving each character their moments where they are the omniscient narrator. Just, you know, the, the mm-hmm. omniscient narrator is describing from inside their heads. I love how he does that, by the way. That's one of my favorite things about it, Brandon it's, Sanderson's it's, writing. It's a nice, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice style. Um, and it has some really, it has some, I'm sure it has some very, uh, valuable pieces on it on lots of levels. But, um, the one thing that I really liked at the, at the end of, that moment with Straff where um, where Vin is done killing his generals and she walks over to the other to the other army rulers and says, all right, you're going to swear allegiance to El End. 
And the other one says, well, what if I don't? Then I'm going to kill you. I'm going to find the next person, and he's going to swear allegiance. Okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm going to go sleep. <laughs> I was kind of like, wow, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'd do. Me, yeah, me too. Yeah, that was great. Um, okay, we, we're coming up on an hour, you guys. Uh, if we have more points, let's bring them up and, and wrap this sucker up. Oh, that was the other thing. Beware the, uh, the re- negative results of pewter dragging. Oh, yeah. Boy, she was on Barbiturates that entire book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ryan, you look like you have something else to say. Well, I'm... I'm. Guys. Do it. Just do it. Finish book three. Is that what you're going to say? Wait until book three? No, no. You're... Well, I am going to give you a little plug for book three about two characters that you're going to find out why I love them so very much. Spook and Tensoon are about to become some of your favorite characters uh, in I was hoping story. Tensoon would I, come back and I figured that the Chondra would play oh. has to very heavily in this when yeah. I when I started book three for the first time um, I don't remember if it's at the very beginning or if it's somewhere we start with Spook he's in this uh, you know completely different city and my first gut reaction was oh gosh you know uh, now I have to follow somebody else but it's yeah. so worth it. And, <laughs> it's and so worth it. The first moments with Tensoon. I'm I'm yeah. about a hundred pages in, and and Tensoon is becoming a really interesting character. Because it's fantastic. Because you learn exactly what his sacrifice was when he did what he did with Vin and her fight mm-hmm. with Zane. That's that's what made me. It, the more I learned about him, I was like, that moment becomes huge because you learn what he sacrificed in book three. Mm-hmm. I'm still very compelled to see what happens with Marsh. I mean, all of the sacri- all of the sacrifices that he has made from the start of book one until now. I mean, that guy has just been through it. Boy, do and, I, and he's even, not done. I, no. Yeah, <laughs> even even the beginning of even the oh, there's, can start reading. So all right, <laughs> I got better, I got to read I got to read a new dawn first. We'd better we'd better. <laughs> I got to put Mistborn on hold for a week. Better quit for now, or or else we're going to start really giving stuff away. I think. Um, so. Uh, let's let's wrap this up very quickly. I will plug the the upcoming episodes, which we've done a little bit already. Next week we are doing uh, Star Wars Rebels. Um, yes. So we're at least going to talk about it. I want to have a watch party uh, here at Ryan's house, so I'm inviting us all to Ryan's house. You're welcome, honey. We're having a watch party. <laughs> <laughs> um, what now, day is that going to be? Uh, that will be next Saturday. Next Saturday. Uh, that's in yeah. one week. Okay. So. Uh, what well what we can talk technic technic we can yeah this get is the not details out. oh yeah podcast. you guys in the podcast world don't care what time it is that's true um <laughs> two weeks from now it will be the women of the lord of the rings um so the ryan's wife of the lord ryan's of the wife rings. has had his, her say um now my wife gets to have hers and she's bringing a friend um and we're about to be utterly shamed just by being men so. Stephanie already has that look on her face like, I'm ready for you all. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so at three weeks from now is when we will pick back up with the Hero of Ages. I, here's my, my recommendation to us. Mm-hmm. We need to split it into two, and okay. we will talk about this a little bit more, but I think we might be able to record them both at once. Okay. Yeah, because I could do that. want to be done. Um, I got I to gotta end with my new favorite bit of philosophy, my new thing, words to live by. Dying someday was better than dying today. (laughs) Very Klingon of you. Oh, no, it's very Zane of me. (laughs) Page Um, page 440, dying someday was better, Zane thought, than dying today. I'm like, ah, that is the best. The only other thing I want to say before we uh, hit the the space bar and call this over 
is uh, a, a big thank you. I, I want to send out a thank you and also, um, uh, well, a fear of mine. Uh, a thank you to our listeners. Um, this has been a huge month for us. We keep breaking our own records. More and more people are tuning in. Um, and now my fear is that if I say this too often, it may come off as insincere. Uh, but it could, that couldn't be further from the truth. I don't know about you guys, but I'm very gratified that so many people are listening. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's fun to get in here and just shout into an echo chamber. I mean, you guys are a lot of fun, but what really makes it worth it and what really makes it fun is knowing that people are listening and getting the feedback uh, from listeners who email us in or, or comment on Facebook and tell us that we're terrible people. Uh, thanks, Stephanie. I, I believe uh, there's a very, very simple expression in the geek world that will help everyone understand what it is that we're feeling here we are Groot oh, <laughs> I, I reject <laughs> I'm just so glad he didn't say we are free, free. No, we'll, uh, we finish off I'll let everyone know that they are free so the uh, so yeah thank you again everybody for listening and um, and keep evangelizing our podcast uh, tell your friends tell your family if anybody has uh gets joy out of fantasy or science fiction i i hope that they can get some joy out of this podcast as well um anybody else okay we're good we will uh see ryan don't do it we- <laughs> he's got an insult ready to go no 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 i don't we're good okay see you guys all next week uh go watch star wars uh what's it called star, star wars, wars rebels rebels and enjoy it and we'll talk about it Spark of Rebellion is the first one there's a couple others after dun 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 you are free I hate you so much Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Legendarium Podcast. Make sure you take a minute to subscribe to us on iTunes and now on Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook and check out our fantastic website at thelegendariumpodcast.com.